welcome to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Oh, you're all way too kind. Come on, let's give Jesus a great, great shout tonight. Come on, let's make a joyful noise. Come on, a noise of expectation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do this, just just lift your hands high. Say these words, say, Heavenly Father, tonight we are gathered in Your holy house, the house of breakthrough, the house of miracles, the house of all things are possible. Tonight I declare walls around my life, ceilings over my life, chains that have been holding my life are coming down, are breaking. It's a new day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead now. Give two or three people a high five. Prophesy over them. Tell them they are really, really ridiculously good looking. That way, if the sermon's lousy, at least you heard something positive in church. How was church? Well, sermon wasn't much chop, but the guy next to me said I was really, really ridiculously good looking. Sometimes you just need that. Can we welcome uh, Sam and Ada May? How Sam Hooker got Ada May, I still don't know. And, uh, but they are fantastic people from down there at uh, Victoria and Victory Church down there, C3 Victory. And then what a delight for me to see one of my friends. This man has been my friend since I was a youth pastor in New Zealand. And uh, that is the powerhouse over here, Pastor Kerry Robertson. Can you stand up, Pastor Kerry? Kerry pastors in Frisco, which is, how far is that from here? 25 minutes or is it a bit, bit more? Took an hour because of the traffic. Oh, normally 40 minutes. And is that beautiful summer? That's Michaela. The light's in my eyes. Michaela, how you doing? I knew you when you were like this high. And now, how, how are you enjoying Texas, y'all? You love it? Oh, it is God's country, isn't it? Oh, they, are, they are a magnificent family, magnificent people. And speaking of magnificent people, how many people love your pastors? <laughs> during, during 2020, we had, you know, we had a, a pretty interesting year like everybody else. And, uh, but for us, it, you know, it kind of cost us some connections and some relationships. And, uh, but the first person to pick up the phone and say, hey, we don't really look at denominational lines or organizational charts. We, we kind of look at friendships and relationships and value those things. And that was Pastor Joe and Nancy. So I am forever indebted to them. And uh, Leanne and I, Leanne sends her greetings, by the way. Uh, Leanne and I just kind of decided that we're, we're not going to spend so much time getting the flash in the pan preachers who are here today and gone tomorrow. We want to do life with people who are the real deal. And i got to tell you, this couple here are the real deal. You guys are amazing. And then to see beautiful Ginger on the front row, just what a blessing you are. And uh, what an honor to be back in Texas. I was here a couple of years ago and the fountain froze. All I remember is it came up on my feed today where the, there was a fountain that froze. Remember that cold snap that came through and like there were pipes that froze and then there was no heating and then there were people in their cars 
and they had like the heater going, but they were like getting sick with all the carbon monoxide and it was crazy. And so we flew in and we had conference at that time. I remember we went to a restaurant and the, the fountain froze in mid, I've never seen a frozen fountain before, but yeah, it was crazy. Well, what an honor to be with you. Come with me in your Bibles. Uh, we're going to read uh, just two, two passages. Uh, the first one is in Genesis 26, verse 18. Genesis 26, verse 18. The title of my message tonight is Old Faith for a New Year. Old Faith for a New Year. Now, you might be thinking, well, you know what? I actually need some new faith for the new year. But I got good news tonight. You don't need to pioneer, invent, discover, build, establish new faith for a new year. All you need to do is tap the reserves of some old faith. So it'll all make sense. Genesis 26 verse 18. Uh, let me see if I can get there before you. Genesis 26. Genesis 26. There it is, verse 18. Verse 18 is, here we go. All righty. It says, and Isaac dug again. Everyone say again. Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines, pesky little things, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And so he called them by the names which his father Abraham had called them. One more time. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines, the enemy, the devil, had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by the names which his father had called them. Now, one more passage of Scripture we're going to read and then we'll jump into it. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. I think it might have even been uh, Pastor Kerry Robertson that told me that he knew that God was into coffee because there's a book in the Bible called Hebrews. And I thought, wow, that's just so <laughs> profound. All right, here we go. Verse 8, Hebrews 11, verse 8. That's a terrible joke, wasn't it, Kerry? <laughs> it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is on the seashore. Amen. Amen. Tonight I want to not so much uh, preach to you, but impart to you uh, what you're going to need for 2023. What you're going to need for 2023. So I felt the Holy Spirit say, title the message, Old Faith for a New Day. 
I'm not sure about you, but every, every year I, I, I love the 1st of January. The 1st of January, I'm excited. I, I'm an eternal optimist. The glass is always half full. There's always a chance. When I asked Leanne if she'd marry me, uh, she wasn't real sure. I said, just, you know, give it to me straight. Like, you know, one in a hundred. She says, more like one in a minute. So you're saying there's a... Now, that was from Dumb and Dumber. But anyway, I just... I just believe the, the, the positive, I believe the... But, you know, normally by about March, by about March, I lose a wheel. It's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm setting out, this is going to be the greatest, and then a wheel comes off in my... But, I'm, you know, I'm, I can do it with three wheels. I can drive through. And then usually by, usually by kind of, you know, summer, you know, June, July, August, you know, the engine goes, and uh, then the steering wheel comes off, and it's, you know... And then usually by September, October, I can't wait for the next year when I can start again. Any, anybody, you know. So, so just felt the Holy Ghost say, you know, that 2023, it's time to dig again the wells of Abraham. America has a wonderful history. And if, if you're kind of worried about the, the political landscape, number one, good on you because you're switched on. Number two, you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry. The Holy Spirit said to me that... Uh, Christianity wasn't birthed out of America, but America was birthed out of Christianity. The, the gospel, the Bible was working long before we had an America to help it. But the same Bible that birthed America is if we return to it is the same Bible that will sustain America. You'll find the people that want to destroy America hate the Bible. That's how you can tell. It's bit of a clue but America has had the T.L. Osborne's the Billy Graham's America has pioneered some of the greatest moves of God the Catherine Kuhlman's the Azusa Street revivals but the enemy is always very very determinant to make sure that these things only last for one generation so the Bible says the Philistines came and they 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 blocked up the wells of Abraham after he died. They made sure that, that what was flowing in the days of Abraham would finish after the death of Abraham. The devil doesn't want there to be generational flows. And so we just uh, bought uh, a Salvation Army compound in, it was the headquarters in San Diego. And what was very, very sad was uh, they, they made us, they made us negotiate, they made us, they brought us to the table where we actually had to uh, literally bid against a developer. And the, the, the property was valued at 11 million, but we ended up buying it for 14 million because they put us in a bidding war with, with a developer. And the truth is that the Salvation Army officer who kind of got us into the bidding war didn't really want to sell it to us because we grew during COVID because we refused to lock down and they apply, they complied to all the government things and lost their congregation, hence they have to sell their building. So he ended up, he ended up right at the, the we offered the same, we just kept matching whatever the de developer was offering. And then they decided right at the last minute they were selling it to the developer and not to us. And so I had to kind of, I got a little bit upset and so I wrote a, a letter to that guy's boss. And, uh, and I just quoted William Booth. You know, w w William Booth said, you know, if somebody asked him, why do we so hastily 
go after lost souls? Can we be too hasty in the going after lost souls? And William Booth, as he's quoting this, says, I would say to you, sir, go and ask one of those lost souls in hell if we can be too hasty. And I said, and here you are over a hundred years. People have sown, people have sacrificed, people have tithed, people have given all that they had to live on to see this land become a holy land, a, a land where the Salvation Army could flourish. There were weddings here. People were ordained in the ministry here. And now for 30 pieces of silver, you're going to go and sell it to a developer, a developer who cares nothing, cares naught about kingdom, only cares about profit. And uh, so they changed their mind. They changed their mind. So it was a few, day, a few days later, we got, we got, the, we got the building. And uh, it's, it's just going to be fantastic. But, but I really felt God really, really stirring in me that the devil does whatever he can to try and stop a move of God. One, one of the things that, that we're looking at is I, I really don't want what God is doing in us and through us to finish in our generation. We, we want to we create a, a flow so that the next generation knows that if the enemy comes in and starts blocking up the wells and blocking up the, the flow that they can Un untap those things. Let me just say this to you tonight, that the kingdom of God is, is not a destination, but it is a flow. The kingdom of heaven is a, is a flow. Jesus says, who touched me? And a woman, a woman who was behind him had been suffering for 12 years. And the, the disciples stopped and said, what, what are you talking about? Everybody is thronging you. He says, no, no, I'm not talking about thronging. Somebody touched me because I felt power. I felt virtue flow out of me. And the Bible says the woman who had herself a flow, but her flow was a negative flow. She had a flow of blood that she couldn't stop for 12 years. She was anemic. She was weak. She couldn't go into the temple to worship. Uh, she'd spent all that she had on the doctors and the medical clinics, but nobody could help her. But when she came behind Jesus, there was a flow that was flowing from heaven through through Jesus, that when she touched the hem of his garment, this flow healed what was depleted in, in her and, and brought healing. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is a flow. Abraham, Abraham is the father of our faith. Abraham here in this story is the guy who digs the wells. A Abraham is at 60 years of age, believing God to have a son. He has an argument with God because God is like, Abraham, I'm your exceedingly great reward. And, and he's like, you know, enough. I've got silver, I've got gold, I've got livestock and cattle. The people of the land treat me like I'm a king. But what's the point of all this blessing? What is the point of all this stuff when Eliezer of Damascus, a servant born in my house, will be heir in my, of all this stuff? And God says to him, he will not be the heir. A son from your own body will be the heir. The Bible says that Sarai, his wife, was barren. She was unable to conceive. So you would think if God was speaking to Abraham about him having a son, that God should just kind of get on with it. He should just go and fix the problem that the Bible is located. It's not like God didn't know 
why they couldn't have babies. The Bible says, but Sarah or Sarai was barren. So God, wonderful, well done. You've isolated the problem. You've located the blockage. You might just want to get on with it. But 40 years later, Abraham is still wrestling for this baby because it had so little to do with the state of Sarah's womb and it had a lot more to do with what God was trying to birth into the earth. The Bible says in 1 John that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. God wasn't trying to, to, to fix a baby. God, was, God, God wasn't trying to repair a broken womb. He could have clicked his fingers. He could have blinked an eye and a baby could have been. It wasn't about a baby in a broken womb. It was about God was trying to birth something into the earth that would overcome the evil, that would overcome the wicked, that would overcome all the forces that have arrayed themselves against the things in the kingdom of God. So God sets Abraham on a journey. At one point, he pulls him out of his tent and he says, look up and begin to count the stars if you are able. More will your descendants be than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. He has Abraham walking in faith. He has Abraham walking in a vision. When Abraham is 99, God visits him and he says, next year you're having a baby, but I need to do something first. We need to change your name. And he's like, finally, because my name is Abram. My name is Father Exalted. Ab is Father, Ram is Exalted, Exalted Father. It's so embarrassing because I meet people and I say, hi, my name's Exalted Father. And they're like, Exalted Father? Oh, where are your kids? And it's so embarrassing. What are we changing my name to? God, is it like fatherless? He says, no, we're changing your name to Abraham, father of multitudes. <laughs> and the Bible says that Abraham complies. Abraham trusts God. Abraham obeys. Do you know what it must have been like? He's 99. And God doesn't finish there. God gets him to change his wife's name from Sarai to Sarah, princess. He says, your name's going to be Abraham. Her name is Sarah. So when you're in the marketplace and you're meeting with people and they say, hey, Abram. Oh, it's not Abram anymore. No, changed our names. Call me father of multitudes. (laughs) You're welcome. Can you imagine people going home saying, you know, I just met Abraham down at the square. How'd it go? Oh, he's crazy. What do you mean he's crazy? I think he's been in the sun too long, hasn't he? He's been drinking. He's probably been smoking something out here, hasn't he? He's changed his name. What's he changed it to? He's changed it to father of a multitude. He doesn't even know. He's got no, he's changed. What's he? That's what he did. For a whole year, he's speaking in faith. The Bible says that Sarah trusted God because she knew that the one who had promised was faithful. She was 90 when she gave birth to Isaac. Isaac is the Hebrew Yitzhak, which means laughter. She she brings forth laughter. She brings forth joy. She brings forth a miracle. Abraham, in his 100th year, becomes the father 
of a child that was birthed out of a barren womb. In fact, the Bible says there where we just read that she was beyond childbearing age. So God didn't even just give her a, a, a baby when she was young with a barren womb. He waited till she was too old to have babies. And then out of a too old body, out of a barren womb, he brought forth a son. Why would God do that? The reason God did that was because he wanted to birth into the world a faith that overcomes no matter what the odds are. See, it would be Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, who would be betrayed by his brothers. They would throw him into a pit because they were jealous of him. They would take the, the tunic of many colors that he was wearing and they would shred it and they would slaughter a goat and they would, they would put the goat's blood, dipped it in goat's blood and then they took it back to their father, Jacob, and they said, do you recognize this coat? We just found it out there. And when he saw it shredded in pieces and covered in blood, the deceiver, Jacob, was easily deceived. If you're a deceiver, you are most susceptible to being deceived. If you want to lie to somebody, find a liar because lie, because anyway. And so it's the law of attraction. And so Jacob believed the deception that, jo that Joseph was dead. Not only did he believe that Joseph was dead, but the Bible says that Jacob died that day in his heart because the joy, the, the, the firstborn of Rachel, his delight was dead. Joseph, meanwhile, is taken down to Egypt and sold for 30 pieces of silver as a slave. He's given a new identity, but he's now chattel. He's now property of Pharaoh's chief executioner, Potiphar. It doesn't get better, it gets worse. While he is faithful in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife decides she is done with doing her husband's ironing, seeing lipstick on the collar, so she's going to get him back. So she decides, slave boy, come and run my bath. And when he refuses to commit adultery with her, she cries out rape. And now this kid, Joseph, is taken down to a prison and he's thrown into a prison he is sentenced as a felon, as a man who attempted to commit rape. If, if things could have got worse, it was impossible because now he's in a prison cell. And in those days, they didn't have a prison welfare system. It was your relatives that made sure you had food, that made sure you had clothing, that made sure you could survive the winters or the summers that would look after you. He has no family. He has no provision. He is in a cell. It looks like give up. The dream that you had at 17 of sun, moon, and stars bowing down, the dream that you had of sheaves in the field bowing down, you need to quit. But there was something in Joseph's DNA. There was something that was coursing through his veins because Joseph wasn't just a conversion. Joseph wasn't just a child born to a Jewish family. Joseph was of the direct lineage of Abraham. The reason in this house we want you to be born again, the reason we want you to, to come and surrender your life to Jesus Christ is because you can't get this at Amway. You can't get this at a Tony Robbins seminar. Now, you may be able to walk on hot coals, at a but you can't get a faith that conquers. You can't get a faith that overcomes. This is only available in Christ Jesus. These guys are not trying to make 
make you religious. They're trying to make you powerful. And, and so Joseph, Joseph can't, can't quit. He can't give up because coursing through him is a faith that goes all the way back to his great grandfather, Abraham, who against all odds believed God and brought forth Yitzhak. And now here is Yitzhak's grandson, Joseph, in a prison where it says it should be impossible. Instead, he keeps believing God and he gets exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh, where he is the prince of the entire land, where he has a chariot that runs in front of his chariot with a a commander that yells out, bow the knee, bow the knee. And as Joseph's chariot comes pass, everybody bows their knee with their head to the ground in homage to this man because he didn't give up. I want you to know that same faith that's in Abraham, that same faith that's in Joseph is the same faith that was in Jesus Christ. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the Bible says he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. He knew the Scriptures in the Psalms where it says, you will not abandon your Holy One to decay. Nobody, nobody had stepped through the veil. Nobody had stepped into the dark, into the blind, into death. But Jesus Christ came to take your sin and my sin. And He knew to take your sin and my sin, He had to take on death because the wages of sin is death. Nobody had gone into death. and But Jesus Christ knew. He, how did He know? Because coursing through His his body, coursing through his veins, coursing through his DNA was Abraham. If you read your Bibles, which we encourage, there were 14 generations to Abraham, there were 14 generations to David, and then there were 14 generations to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had the, 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 the faith of Abraham that even though he was going to step into the dark, he was going to, to, to go onto the cross and then into a tomb. He knew, he just knew that he knew that this God is faithful. This God is a God that don't need no help, that he can rise again on the third day. He says, I lay my life down and because I lay down, I have authority to pick it back up. See, if you read your Bibles, which is always a wonderful thing, Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light. And then does anyone know how that verse finishes? It says, and then there was light, evening in the morning, first day, which is pretty awesome. Because God doesn't get around to creating the sun till the fourth day. So God said, let there be light. <laughs> light was, evening and morning, first day. And then it takes him three more days to get around to creating a sun. Because God's word don't need no help. God's Word has its own generator. God's Word has its own power. God's Word has its own source. He doesn't need a favourable economy. He doesn't need favourable circumstances. He doesn't need a favourable prognosis, diagnosis from the medical institutions for Him to heal. He can heal what the medical institutions say. We cannot help. He can deliver. He can save. He can prosper. He can flourish. God's Word stands alone. I'm talking about a new, an old faith for a new day. Somebody say amen. So I say all of this to give you my three points. Number one, live with expectancy. God wants you to live 2023 with expectancy. Now listen, I, I get, kind of get some criticism every year. Every year people say, oh, Pastor Jürgen, you always say this is going to be the greatest year of your life. And you know what? I believe it. 
I honestly believe I crossed the year 2020. I'm like, it's going to be the greatest year of my life. And then I cross into 21. This is going to be the best year. of. And then I cross into 22. This is going to be the great. And then I cross into 23. And I'm saying the same thing. But the truth is, I believe it every single year. Let me just tell you, this will be the greatest year of your life. You know how I know that? Because you never walked in such wisdom. You're sitting here today. That already tells me you've got a head start over everybody else. All the heathens and pagans at the pub tonight, you, got, you are head and shoulders ahead of them. The pain that you experienced in 20, 21, 22, the lessons that you're learning from that, the anointing has never flowed so strongly, your revelation, your understanding, the people that you're around, the people you're... This is going to be the greatest year of your life. How many people notice that God put our eyes in the front of our heads? Did you never notice that? Fish have their eyes on the side of their heads. There's a lot of people that, that want to live like fish. I find Instagram makes me want to be a fish. I'm looking at what that person's eating, what that person's doing. I've got FOMO. We're not, we're not meant to live like fish, comparing one to another. You're meant to have your eyes in the front of your head looking forward. God created you a forward-looking creature. God wanted you to live with vision. Vision is different to sight. Sight is what you see when your eyes are open. When your eyes are open, you have sight. With sight, you might be able to see a mile or a few miles ahead. Vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. With sight, I can see a few miles ahead. Maybe I can even see mountains in the distance or a horizon in the distance. But when my eyes are closed, I can see decades ahead. When my eyes are closed, I can see down the corridors of time. God wants you to live with vision. Vision is a GPS system that God puts on the inside of you to get you to your destination. The Holy Spirit is a spirit who produces vision. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. There was a song that came out many, many years ago. K Sirah, Sirah, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Something like that. What a load of codswallop. You know, as though, as though, you know, well, you know, none of us really know the future, do we? Like, we can't really, you know, we can't control it. I mean, it's just, it just happens to us and we've just got to do our best to be prepared. You know, when the future, when it arrives, just, you know, like, just roll with it. Like a boxer, you know, rolls with the punches. Just, can I tell you, that's, that's not biblical. You, when you're walking with old faith from Abraham, when you're redigging the wells... When you're full of the Holy Ghost, you become a futurist. You become somebody that creates the future. Because the Bible says, Joel 2, 28, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. What is prophesy? Prophesy is to take a word, put it into a bow, and shoot it into a day that's not yet. Whenever you prophesy, you're sending words from God. Do you know the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word endureth forever. When you are prophesying, you're shooting words into your tomorrow. You're shooting words into your next year. You're shooting words into your next decade. The Bible says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Your, the fruit of your life is the, the words that your tongue 
was permitted to speak over the last decade. If you don't like the harvest that you're experiencing in your life right now, can I encourage you, change your tongue. Your tongue was created to speak the Word of God. Why is it that man rules over the animal kingdom? I'm not faster than a lion. I'm not stronger than than a bull elephant or a hippopotamus. And yet man rules over the animal kingdom. The difference, the only distinct difference is that a speaking God created man in his image and likeness and gave him a mouth to speak. If you study ancient Chinese, the word for man is a mouth with legs because he is a, he is a walking mouthpiece. You and I are at our most powerful when his word is in our mouth. Three times the devil attacked Jesus. Three times all Jesus did was said, it is written. Hey, devil, it is written. Devil, it is written. Three times the way that he defeated the devil was he took God's word, put it in his mouth and loaded it up. When God's word is in your mouth, did you know that God's word in your mouth is as powerful as God's word in God's mouth because it's God's word? God's word in your mouth is as powerful as God's word in God's mouth because it's God's word. That's why the the devil is terrified of the word of God. Why do you think he stripped it out of our schools? Why do you think he stripped it out of our colleges? Why do you think he's tried to tear it down from our, our, our... learning institutions and our legal structures and legal institutions because he's terrified of the word of God. Why is that? Because Isaiah says that the word of God never returns to him void. It always accomplishes that for which it was sent out. You send the word of God out, you prophesy, you speak the word of God. It always, it always accomplishes. It never returns void. It always accomplishes that for which is, you were created to create the future. You were created to speak the future. Begin to prophesy. Make a decision. This year in 2023, only life is coming out of my mouth. I'm not going to speak death anymore. I'm not going to curse what God is going to bless. I'm going to come into an amen. I'm going to come into an agreement with the word of God. The Bible says that in Christ Jesus... That's why we're trying to get you born again. Because if you're in Christ Jesus, all the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That's why it's important to get into being Jesus Christ. And then it goes on and it says, not only will your sons and daughters prophesy, but young men will see visions. I know that the pastor Joe is a young man because he just showed me a vision of what he sees for this building. This afternoon, we, we, we drove to the other location. What's the street called? A campus on Herschel. I like this campus. And we're on Herschel. And I remember seeing it like 18 months ago, two years ago in a schematic. And now I walk in and what I saw on paper, I said, he's a visionary. The Bible says that young men see visions, old men dream dreams. The fact that he's not dreaming, that he's still seeing vision, tells me he's still a young pup. <laughs> You're married to a frisky young pup, Nancy. See visions. What is a vision? A vision is a postcard the Holy Ghost is sending from your future. That's what a vision is. God wants you to have vision. Vision is just God who lives outside of time saying, you know what? I think Pastor Joe would love that. And so he'll send you a picture to your today of what your tomorrow, what your next year is going to look like. You are created to live with vision. 
You were created to live with expectancy. Are you expecting good things? You ought to be. Faith is just an expectancy. Faith is believing that God is going to come through. God is going to, this year is, is my year with God. Now, can I just encourage you? If there's a blockage between you and God, it's very simple. Repent. Amen. I was listening to a preacher the other day and he's saying, you don't need to repent. I'm like, what on earth? What planet are you on? So if you've got Jesus, you don't need to repent. I'm like, no, I love repenting. What a, what a great gift. Repentance is how you realign. You know, every, every 1st of January, I, I, every year I do this thing with, with God where I'm like, hey, okay, God, just give me, give me one thing. Usually he gives me two, but because I'm pretty jacked up. So, <laughs> But this year for 2023, the, he just said trust. He said trust. I thought, oh, I, can, I can trust you. You're pretty trustworthy. And then he began to show me, he says, because... Every area of sin or jacked up in your life is really an area where you don't trust me. So what do you mean? He says, well, why does someone steal? He says, they steal because they don't trust that I'm Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and seeing provides. Why does somebody lie and cheat about their taxes because they don't trust that they can? He says, why do people commit? He says, all sin. Like Genesis 3 God says, of all the trees you can eat, except that one, don't eat from that one. The day you eat from that tree, you'll surely die. And the devil comes and says, really? You're listening to... <laughs> God knows the day you eat... They, they, they didn't trust. So the Holy Spirit said to me this year, this year it's trust. Work on trusting God. I think it's Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. And your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine as you bring your first fruits to God. This year, make a decision. I'm, I'm trusting God. I'm putting His Word above every other word. This year, I'm not going to just trust His Word, but I'm going to speak His Word. I'm going to prophesy His Word. I'm going to declare His Word. I'm going to believe that I'm going to walk in the harvest of what His, His Word says. And then, then the last one is understand that God births powerful breakthroughs in our life from moments that are unfair from moments that are unfair. How many people here have had a moment where it seemed unfair what you're walking through? I, 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 used to, I used to think, you know, that life, God evens life out. God makes sure that life's fair. But just like Scar in The Lion King holding up that little mouse, life's not fair. You see, I shall never be king and you shall never see the light of another day. Has anyone ever told you not to play with your food? Oh, what do you want? We didn't see with the presentation of Simba today. Oh, that was today and I just slipped my mind. Well, slippery as your mind was, you should have been first in line. I was first in line until that little hairball arrived. That hairball is my... Anyway, and so, it's, you know, so he talks about life's not fair. So, so I kind of took this to the Lord. I said, God, you know, is it true that life's not fair? And he said, yeah, life isn't fair. I'm like, God, you're not meant to say that. You're the great equaliser. And he says, because life's not fair, just choose to live with an unfair advantage. If life isn't fair, and it's not, that means that you and I have access to live with an unfair advantage. I got to tell you, the reason I am so expectant that 2023 is going to be the greatest year of my life 
is because I live with an unfair advantage. I am filled with the power of heaven. I can speak in languages I've never learned. When you pray in tongues, when you pray in the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the third member of the Trinity, the Helper, prays on your behalf. He prays through you and for you. Romans 8, 26 says, we don't, we, we, we don't know how to pray for what we ought. So likewise, the Spirit Himself intercedes on our behalf. Every time I pray in tongues, He's praying for me. And sometimes I, I'm like, oh, I want to get in on that. And so I'm like, I'm like let, let me have a turn. Let me have a turn. Just stand over there, Holy Spirit. And I'm like, Father, I want you to. And then I, oh, man, I muddled that up. And then He's like, well, just let me. Oh, all right. Oh. And then, and then the craziest thing is I probably, I probably pray in English maybe 5% of the time. 95% of the time I'm just praying in tongues. And then, wow, that happened. And then that breakthrough came. And then that thing shifted. And then, wow, that was transformed. And wow, okay, they got healed. That's incredible. And then the Holy Ghost. Pastor Phil Pringle many, many years ago. Had just moved from New Zealand to Australia, was trying to establish himself in Australia. And this one particular morning, he had his briefcase, he had his suit on, he was off to the office, and he just felt the Holy Ghost say, Don't go to the office today. He's like, No, I've got to go to work. And the Holy Spirit said, Your work isn't behind a desk. As a minister, your work is not behind a desk at the church office. Turn around, go back to your study. So he goes back to his study and he just sat on the sofa and he just began to just pray. And he just began to pray in tongues. He says the, the anointing got thicker and thicker. He could feel the presence of God in the room as he was. As he was praying in tongues, he said he just opened his eye and standing right in front of him, was the outline of a man. And so he stopped praying, it says, and then the man almost went like completely faint and invisible. And then he just had this, this urgency, pray again. So and then began to see the outline. And so he got up and he could see this man standing in front of him and his back was toward him. And as he was moving forward, he was praying in tongues, but he could hear this man praying to God in English and he was saying God you've blessed this ministry and you bless this ministry and you bless this ministry what about your servant Phil Pringle you can bless him you can trust him you can give him and then he realized this was the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit was interceding with the Father on his behalf Pastor Phil Pringle pioneered what is the C3 movement Almost a thousand churches around the world. The most extraordinary healings, miracles, people raised from the dead under his ministry. But there was a time where he was a nobody. There was a time where he had a little church office, but instead of going to the church office, he learned to obey the Holy Spirit. When you pray in tongues, when you pray in the Spirit, you have an unfair advantage. That's why the devil will do anything and everything he can to stop you from praying. This year, tell the devil that he can kiss your foot.
Where did you think I was going with that? This year, make a decision. See, we, we do the, the Bible in a year every year, but I felt last year, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I'm not just going to do the Bible in a year every day, the Bible reading. Every day I'm going to read, do my Bible reading. Usually it takes about 20, 25 minutes. But every day I'm going to pray at least 10 minutes with the Bible reading. Most of us have heard of Hillsong Church. I remember I went to Hillsong Bible College. And one day I was sitting there eating, eating a, an apple turnover. And just as I bit into the apple turnover, the craziest thing happened. All these sins that I'd forgotten about in my life just came like flooding my mind. Like $5 I borrowed from somebody that I promised them I'd pay them back, but really didn't have any intention to pay them back because I thought I could just avoid them. You know, and like all this stuff. And I'm like, dear God, what the... And then I hear this voice right here go, hey, don't I know you? <laughs> you know, I thought it was like God, the second coming. I thought I'm going to go to hell. And I look and it was Pastor Brian Houston's father, Frank. And he had just had a move of God with all these pastors. The anointing on him was so thick that while he was about 20 feet away, just the, the edge of that anointing hit me and I immediately came under the conviction of sin. And so he's, now I'm like, completely aware like oh my gosh he sees right through me he sees everything I've got to repent I've got to repent you know and so he just looked at me and says don't I know you I'm like oh. and uh and then he he says are you one of the students I said I'm one of the students Mr. Houston and uh and he says he says if you'll do this he says if you'll pray in tongues for 20 minutes a day you'll change the world and I he walked away and I just thought uh, he must have me muddled up because my name is Jürgen, spelt with a J. Looks like Jürgen. My last name is Metesius. Nobody gets it right, not even me. It looks like a tropical disease. I'm thinking, God can bless a lot of people, but he, a Jürgen Metesius, that's not going to be... I mean, if there was a Jürgen Metesius Ministries.com, no one could find it. <laughs> so I'm thinking that life's not fair. And it's, but then the Holy, Holy Spirit, he's your helper. He's like, well, what do you got to lose? 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. I remember being, sitting in chapel and they'd introduce one of the other college students and he was a you know, pastor and, his daddy was a pastor and his granddaddy was a pastor and his great-granddaddy was a pastor. There was like four generations of... My dad was an East German atheist. When I was leaving my house to go to Bible school, I'd, I'd quit being a mechanical engineer. And my dad being a very proud German, he'd love to tell all his friends here, my son, he's, he's a mechanical engineer. But when I told dad I was leaving engineering to go to Bible college, he hit the roof. He's like, why do you want to go and be a priest? I said, Dad, I'm not going to be a priest. I'm going to marry Leanne. I'm going to be a pastor. But he didn't understand. And so all of his friends at the German club would give him a hard time. Oh, here comes Ronnie. Ronnie, your son's going to be a priest. Oh, and they'd laugh. He stood, he blocked my car and he slammed his fist on the hood of my car. And he pointed and said, not one cent, not one cent of support will I give you. Because I was leaving to go to Bible college. So I'm like, all these other kids, that, that they know people. I don't know anybody. 
They got connections. I got no connection. Their dads were pastors. My dad was an atheist. But I thought, I can do 20 minutes. I can do 20 minutes a day. I'm not smart enough. I know I'm not smart enough. What God is doing in San Diego and Salt Lake City and Boise, Idaho is way, way beyond my pay grade. The miracles, the miracles we see in our church. Miracles, stage four cancer. Like people, like I, I'm not that smart. I'm not that clever. But I just decided I have access to wells. I have access to something that Abraham pioneered over 40 years. He, he dug a well. He dug wells. And every generation has the opportunity to redig those wells. And the Holy Spirit, whenever you're praying in tongues, you're, you're reopening the flow. You're retapping the springs. There's a flow that comes from heaven. And I would just pray in tongues for 20 minutes. And I'd see people coming out of wheelchairs. Pray in tongues for 20 minutes, see blind eyes open. Pray in tongues just 20 minutes a day, every day in my, in my Bible college dorm. And I'd see thousands of people. I'd see people getting saved. I'd see people weeping on the altar. See, see people with doctor's diagnosis getting healed. I'd see congregations that was... I'd see these glimpses. Life is unfair, but you can live with an unfair advantage. Jesus said to the disciples, eyewitnesses to his life, death, resurrection, eyewitnesses to every sermon that he preached. He said, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem. I want you to wait. And they're like, hang on. You just said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, go into all the world. We're going. He says, well, before you go, wait. And they're like, well, which one is it? Is it go or is it wait? He's like, both I want you to go but first I want you to wait what are we waiting for power you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you you can live this year with an unfair advantage let me tell you something awesome Job, uh, Job the book Job Job opens up with the devil and God having a conversation and the devil is permitted access to hurt Job and Job in one day loses all 10 of his kids loses his businesses loses his stocks his shares his bond, loses his bank account loses everything that he has puts on sackcloth and ashes and worships and the devil pipes off again at God and says ah the reason he's still worshiping is because you didn't let me hurt him human beings are self they don't care what happens around them you, so the devil then is permitted to hurt Job the story gets worse because Job has these friends, Eliphaz, Temaz, all these guys, and they come and they tell Job for the next 30-something chapters that it's your fault. It's because you got sin in your life. And, and they speak negative. Finally, in Job chapter 42, God says to, 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 to Job, He says, listen, what your friends said about me was all wrong. So therefore, I want you to pray for them. Otherwise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge them I want you to pray for your friends who while you were hurting while you were suffering judged you slandered you and maligned you. I'm like hang on God hang on whoa 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 first of all it's not fair 
that their families are intact and you killed Job's family or allowed the devil to. First of all, it's not fair that their finances and, and now you. God wasn't trying to take something from Job. He was trying to get something to Job. The Bible says, so Job prayed for his friends. And then it says this, and as soon as Job prayed for his friends, this was not fair that it, they should be praying for him, but God bursts things in the unfair. When Job, who was the victim, prayed for his oppressors, God restored to Job double for his trouble and gave him 10 more children and lengthened his days so that he didn't just see his children's children, but he saw his children's 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 children, five generations. If you were to go to heaven right now and interview Job and say, oh my gosh, I Job, I oh, you poor, oh, wow. How you held it together. He'd be like, have you got rocks in your head? I've got 20 kids up here. The devil took the first 10. All they did was sent them ahead of me. They're here with me in heaven for all eternity. Then God birthed out of what was unfair. Everything the devil meant for evil, God flipped it for good. I got double for my trouble. He lengthened my days on earth. And now I'm living in eternity with... He's not sad, sighing or suffering. He's rejoicing what God does. Whatever the enemy did, whatever unfair you've had in 2020, 2021, 2022, if you will allow the Holy Ghost, maybe there are people who have robbed you, wronged you, slandered you, taken advantage of you, misaligned you, judged you unfairly, whatever, gossiped about you, pray for them. Hang on, that's not fair. Jesus is hanging on a cross and the Romans are at the bottom of the cross gambling for his, for his tunic. He's on the cross and they're gambling for his coat. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. I would have... No, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. <coughs> no, I probably actually would have. I would have. Jesus, they're not asking for forgiveness. They're not deserving of forgiveness. But Jesus didn't come all that way to die. He came to forgive. What they don't realize is they were gambling for a garment, for a covering that was temporary. If they would have just lifted their eyes six feet away, Yeshua ben Elohim was hanging on the cross providing a covering that would secure them for all eternity in the presence of God. The covering they had down here was a temporal covering in the earth. The one Jesus was providing was the only covering that would allow sinful man to walk into the presence of holy God and not be consumed in a moment. They didn't even see it six feet away. But here was Jesus. They're not asking for forgiveness, but He's forgiving. He rose again from the dead. The gospel went 
to a, a Roman soldier called Cornelius. There's a book in the Bible called the book of Romans. The gospel spread throughout all the world because of what Jesus did on the cross. When you have experienced unfair, let the Holy Ghost be your unfair advantage. Let him take you. You pray for the people that hurt you. You pray for them that spitefully use you. You pray for the person who slandered you. You pray for the person who stole from you. You pray for the person who judged you. You pray for the person who lied about you. You pray for them and watch what happens. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I declare 2023 will be the greatest year of my life. I declare that when life's unfair, you've given me an unfair advantage. This year, I will live. I will unleash that unfair advantage. Heavenly Father, I thank you that tonight, the faith of Abraham flows through my body, courses through my veins, is in my spirit because I'm born again. Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. So the faith of Abraham, the faith of Isaac, the faith of Jacob, the faith of Joseph, the faith of David flows through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a great praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.